Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, I have a very special guest, Andrew Mason. Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself? What's up, everybody? I want to say thanks, Drew, for having me on the show. I'm excited. But my name is Andrew Mason. I am a Ruby on Rails developer, a podcaster, um, and just general a creator in the Ruby ecosystem. I am the host of Remote Ruby, uh, which is a podcast. I've done several others in the past as well. I have the Ruby Radar newsletter that I make with Colin Gilbert, which goes out every Sunday and is kind of a curated newsletter of some things that we found in the Ruby community from the past week. I go to conferences. I possibly will speak in the future and I do open source and I like hack on side projects all the time. And I love Ruby and that's, that's me. Awesome. Thanks, man. So we're going to get this started and do it much like a stand-up for those of you who do agile. It's going to feel pretty familiar. So Andrew, what are you working on? So I can't go into crazy detail into what I'm working on at work work. I've got a lot of side projects that I'm going to touch on, but the general gist of it is that right now I'm kind of in a holding pattern where I'm doing a lot of kind of cleanup backlog things. I'm doing a lot of support, which is sometimes I love it. I don't, how do you feel about support? Do you have to do ticket days? I don't. I'm in a weird position at work. I'm our staff engineer. So, okay, my, yeah, so you're at the top. Okay, I'm okay. like, hey, there's a fire <laughs> over there. I need to go over there right. kind of guy. Right, we right. are changing our on-call situation, so I should be on-call soon, which I'm actually looking forward to, but it's not direct support at my job. We have some awesome ninjas that handle that stuff. Nice. So at my job, we don't have on-call per se. I don't get tickets in the middle of the night that I have to wake up and do because our it's mostly infrastructure for internal teams. So there's almost no reason to wake up in the middle of the night. Like no one's, nothing crazy is getting stopped. If something happens in the middle of the night, we'll just fix it in the morning. So that work-life balance part is very nice, but we have support people, but then for technical support, we basically have a rotation. So it's me and someone else. And then on Tuesday, it's two other people, et cetera, et cetera, throughout the week. And I have incredible ADHD and it's awful. But the one thing that I'm really good at doing is support days. So even though that's not fun work, I like it because I can get those quick wins. And just if I can get that momentum, once I build momentum, I can just keep going. And unfortunately, that's not happening as much on my other feature work that I'm doing right now. But like I said, I'm in a holding pattern, things are going to pick up soon. So that's kind of what I'm doing at work, but on my side projects. So I've got the most infamous side project of my life that I've been doing literally since I learned how to write HTML is working on my freaking website. I am doing it in Bridgetown. I've done it in Bridgetown before. I've written it in several things by this point. I've done it in WordPress, like back when I was a kid. And then I did it in Gatsby one time. I did it in, I did it in plain HTML several times. And then Gatsby, I did it and something else. And then I found Bridgetown, which is a Ruby static site generator. And I'm in love with it. I'm obsessed with it. I think it's amazing. And I built it out on Bridgetown. And then I've been rebuilding it, though, in secret or not in secret. I've been saying that I'm doing it, but not publicly posting about it because I have this awful perfectionism that is just goading me on this. So. That's what I'm doing. Also, I've got ideas for some VS Code extensions that I kind of want to work on, but uh, those are kind of in a holding pattern as well. But I really want to do them. I just need to finish this stupid website first. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. Per- perfectionism and ADD is definitely a project killer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's that cool, though. Yeah. It's a lot of churn. That's what I'll say about it. I, I believe it. Yeah. I, I, I've. I haven't actually released anything with Bridgetown yet, but I do really enjoy dabbling with it. I want to get, I want to do a bigger dive into it because it is really cool. And I really like the way that it's laid out and how it feels. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's, I, I would describe myself as a power user of Bridgetown. So I've got so many cool things I've done with it that I've hooked. If Do you know what Strappy is? It's a headless yeah, it's a headless CMS that you can self-host. It's open source. Right now, my current website is using a Strapi thing that I built on Heroku. So I have a Heroku database and a Strapi app on Heroku right now, and that is a CMS, and it just sends JSON. The website uses pulls the JSON and it builds from that. I've used every single CMS out there, all of them, with Bridgetown. They all work fine. 
Okay, but I hate them all. For whatever reason, that none of them work the way I want them to. They all just do something that I don't like. And then I have this weird thing about data ownership that I realized that I actually care a lot about that. In the beginning, I was like, no, I'll just put it all in here. But I realized I want the markdown. I want the raw data. Um, I want to be able to control that my way. And because, and so I've kind of stopped using the CMSs and just kind of rolled my own little system. And you can use a Rails backend with Bridgetown if you want. That's something that Jared's been working on that's coming out. It's really cool. But I now have something that I'm working on where, so I have, I use something called Ino Reader and I use something called Raindrop. Raindrop is a bookmark collector. Ino Reader is an RSS feed collector. And they both have ways to output via API or RSS like collections that I've curated. So I also have it now where I can update things like a public bookmarks folder on on my raindrop and then my site will rebuild and put this bookmark that I've like saved and push it on my website. Bridgetown gives you so many crazy cool capabilities and like serverless functions on Vercel or thing. And it's just, it's so fun. I'm having so much fun. That is no that that is super cool. Those are those are definitely the power user features that I I'm looking forward to getting my feet wet on. But it sounds like uh, some new side project for you might be a headless CMS in the future. Is that what no. we can expect? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop! Don't do that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like that's how many projects have been bored. Is like I hate everything out there. I'm going to do it myself. I but. I have started building my own headless CMS, but I stopped because I was like, this is ridiculous. This is ADHD. I have to stop. I don't want a headless CMS. I just want to be able to control my data a certain way. Right. right? And I want to be able to use it a certain way. So I've found instead of trying to plug in a tool that I've just found the ways that I've worked, I stepped back for a while and I just observed the ways that I work. And I'm like, okay, here's how I want to manage this data. And then I want to be accessible on my phone. I want to be able to publish for my phone. I've got that, you know, like this and that. So, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff, I just need to freaking hit the publish button on it. It's not completely done and I want it to be perfect. And it's just never going to be because I'm a pixel pusher. So, well, by the time this episode airs, Andrew Mason will have a new site. So definitely go and yeah, check it out. It's true. I was challenged. The challenge will be completed. Yeah, I saw that. They tried to challenge me at the same time, but I'm moving in the next couple of weeks. So a lot of packing and finishing up a massive upgrade project at work and starting a podcast. So I'm a little busy. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you moving? Christmas, uh, three minutes down the road. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah, nothing exciting. Not to Oklahoma. Sorry, Jason. Charles. It, I was, I was, uh, but you're in Oklahoma, right? No. No. I well, Pennsylvania for like the last 25 years. Everyone so. I know says that you're from Oklahoma. <laughs> well, so. that's because that's because you only know Jason Charles. Jason's my only friend. Yeah. Jason. Have you used the, the Netlify CMS? Yes. So here's what I like about Netlify CMS. Actually, you know, it's easier to start off with what I hate about the Netlify CMS. The configuration is bonkers. All right. Correct. It's not, it, it does. It's not, it just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't fly yeah. in my brain. It's very easy to hook up. I have a, I have a blog post, I think on how to do it with Bridgetown. I think I need to update it because it's with an old version. There's several of my posts that I need to update that I'm like, oh yeah, as soon as I publish my website, I'll update this. And I'm like, when will I publish my website? Five years later. Anyway, yes, I have used it. The configuration is terrible, but I like that it does create the data on your machine. So that's the difference that the Netlify CMS does, where it literally opens a PR because it points to data files and markdown files in your repo and uses front matter, just like Bridgetown. So it, which a lot, most of them do like next and, you know, or if you, if you use whatever plugin NPM package, whatever to make it do it, markdown it or whatever it is. But I like that it puts the data on your machine. It literally opens a PR. So in that point, I think it's one of the better ones. I don't use Netlify anymore. I used to, but I like Vercel better, but I am not firm on that hill. <laughs> I think about it a lot. The thing I like about Vercel is that uh, you can very easily make serverless functions with Ruby and like a Ruby API. So in that respect, it's really cool. And it's just more simple and clean. And I don't know, they were, they got a bunch of money and I was like, oh, what are they doing? So Netlify is also cool. It's more vast plugin ecosystem, which I have mixed feelings about, but I like the Netlify CMS, but a pain to configure. And because it's such a pain to configure, I've just been like, meh, 
I think the other part is a lot of people start building out these websites and they don't consider the structure of your website and the data and the front matter and this and that, like just as much as you would consider a database, right? Because at the end of the day, you're going to be like me and just like you go in one way and you're like, oh, that's not going to work. And you come back out and, you know, you go back in, you're like, you know, I'm not thinking about this like data. I'm thinking about this, like, you know, pushing stuff on a website. And once you start thinking about it more like data and relationships, which Bridgetown actually gives you the ability to do to find like has many and belongs to relationships on objects. So yeah, that I long story short, I like the Netlify CMS. I don't like using Netlify anymore, so I don't use it, but I think it's one of the better ones solely for the fact that it gives you the data instead of it being like a hosted product where they store all your data and you have to use JSON APIs to send back and forth. Yeah, that, that was a big thing for me was I really liked that it just kind of plopped it right in your repo. And right. you you know exactly where it is. It's right where you asked for it to be. But that's, I feel the same way about the configuration. It was a nightmare, especially when yeah, you start just... getting granular with it. It just, and, and it doesn't even look like so you go back and it's so many brain cycles. Like I wrote this. Why is it taking me this many brain cycles to yeah. figure out what this dropdown is doing? Well, yeah. And you can't put in like, you know, you can't do certain things in Markdown. Because one thing that I do is I augment, you know, my posts. So, you know, in like you would do the same thing with JSX or Markdown X or whatever, whatever it's called, where I can like render Bridgetown, I can render view components, like literally from the view component library or Bridgetown components or even partials inside of my posts. So like using an editor, like the Netlify CMS doesn't allow you to kind of, you can't really, you know, do that as well. Right. And then there's some Markdown features that you don't really get. And I did figure it out and I don't think I updated the post, but I do know how to make the auto preview work, which was a thing that I hadn't figured out in the very beginning. But that was also a thing that was kind of weird in the beginning is like, well, you want your post to preview, but in order for your post to preview in the Netlify CMS, Netlify has to know about your style sheets and your post layout and all this other stuff. So in that aspect, it's kind of like, it's frustrating to set up. Whereas if you're just getting it from a straight API, that's a lot more straightforward, but you know, then you're limited to that ecosystem as well. Yeah, you're going to have to definitely do that blog post update because that was uh, the previewing feature was something that I always had trouble with. I'd run into the CMS at my last job. We had a lot of Nuxt, of Vue.js static site generator, and we used their CMS because we were doing everything on Netlify. And I was always like, I can't get this thing. And every guide I read was like, oh, well, if you're doing it in Gatsby or whatever the React or Next, I think it is, is the right React. As long as it's React, like everything kind of ports over pretty easily. But I'm like, I'm not in, not, I don't want to ever use React again if I don't have to. So, but yeah, that, so update that blog post because I want to read it. Yeah, I, I will. The CMS aspect as a whole, though, is like, do you really need a CMS like for your website? Probably not. Like, come on. <laughs> Seriously, what what's the th- the deal is that you don't want to have to like go to the code and then have to update it and then oh now there's npm package updates I need to do that too that's yeah. the trap but like with code spaces and the git or the github.dev where you can literally just hit period on any github repo and make a commit Bridgetown just makes it so easy to just you just make the markdown edit submit it don't have to do anything else it deploys automatically with feature previews if you want you can set up releasing with release please the github action and i don't know for a company i always find it's we give them the cms but it's not enough right it's never enough they always like always have to go in anyway and change stuff because there's only certain things you can do and a lot of people don't once again don't put a lot of effort into thinking about the data and what data all needs to be accessible and we're hard coding values here when we shouldn't be and like that's because we didn't plan this accordingly Right. So at the end of the day, if you have a CMS for your blog, that's kind of overkill. Like this is coming from someone with a hosted strappy instance in Heroku right now with a Postgres database. So. Right. Do, do as you say, not as you do. Kinda, yeah. Don't, don't do anything <laughs> I do. No, but that's a good point. I mean, the, that's the nice, like we both just said, the nice thing about Netlify's CMS was it would just ended up being markdown files in your GitHub repo. But if you have it set up, you don't even need the CMS because you're just editing your GitHub repo right. anyway, which we all, most of us, I would venture to guess, live in GitHub. So right. that yeah. makes a lot of it, sense. You can do it on your iPad now. It's just yeah. so much easier. I think that there's no point in having a CMS if you're a developer. 
right? As long as you have, like, if you have J- JSON files and Markdown files, you can store your repo in iCloud and access it from your iPad or iPhone and edit the files there. And you can even use Git on your iPhone. So why do you need a CMS? Wait, I'm sorry. You might have to say that again because it sounded like you, you said can use you can use Git, Git. You can use Git and GitHub and you can even write Ruby functions, Ruby code as widgets and as programs and shortcuts on your iPhone. Yes. And SSH, that, you can SSH on your iPhone. You can do anything on a computer, basically. That is, I, I can't think of a better word than neat. Like I can't, yeah. I don't have, I don't do iOS devices. I do have an iPad, but not an iPhone. But that's, that's cool. I like yeah. that you can make widgets with ruby yeah there's a ruby app it's very cool check it out okay yeah i'll, have I'll to get put you that. the link yeah get me the link i'll put that in the show notes for anyone interested so what what blockers are you running into recently i like i said earlier i have adhd i've had this ongoing struggle that i'm not going to repeat here but i'll drop a link for you to a podcast episode i did about this where i am medicated for it and constantly struggling to get this medication I was off it for a few months because of a move and not being able to get a new doctor and all this other nonsense. And now (laughs) I've got it again, but every time I go on the day to refill my, the day that I need to refill my prescription is never the day I get the medication, which is there's this lap in time, which is always weird, especially for someone who, if I, like I, since I have ADHD, I'm like, oh, well, am I going to get it today? Cause if I'm going to get it today, then maybe I could just goof off a little bit this morning And then I'll get it early afternoon, I'll take it, and then I'll be good, right? So I'm constantly fighting with the pharmacy, fighting with doctors to get this medication. And that is frustrating and is a blocker for me because it puts me in the weird state of not knowing, you know, what's going to happen. Am I going to get it today? Oh, no, we transferred it to the pharmacy down the street instead of the one, two blocks up. And that's going to take seven days for no reason. You know, weird stuff like that. It's I don't know. The other blocker is that I started writing Turbo. I started trying to do something with Turbo the other day, and then I realized that I don't really understand how Turbo works. And it was in that moment I was like, okay, wait, I thought I understood how Turbo worked. I just want to do this thing, right? I want, I have a page. I want something to show up on the page. I want it to be, I want multiple things to be going on at the same time. I can use Ajax. That's fine. But can I use Turbo for this, right? Isn't that what Turbo is for to interactively update multiple things on the page? But I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how to make it do multiple at the same time. Like if you have multiple turbo streams occurring, for some reason, I couldn't get that to work. And I couldn't get it to update in in line. Like it was updating the whole page. And I think that's because my return, I was, I don't think I set up the like view correctly, but that was also a blocker that I solved differently, but I wanted to solve it that way. And then was, oh wait, I can't, why not? So how do you do turbo? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, not much. I've dabbled with it. Mostly I dabbled a lot around RailsConf. Noel Rappin did a really good workshop on Hotwire that I wanted, that I tried to follow along. That was my first time really touching it. It's super cool. I love the idea behind it. I just don't have the skills yet. Chris right. um, at, in GoRails put on a really good demo with it where he built a, like an eat. He was using, he was doing a lot of different of the features at once, but it was basically a customer, customer management or customer support app, Mm -hmm. but he used a lot of Hotwire, which it was there that I kind of found out, oh, hey, it still sends the whole page render, but it only takes bits and pieces of it to replace bits and pieces of the front end. Right. So it's definitely something that as I get closer to it at work, I hope. I can do a deeper dive in it. It's just hard right. to, I spent, you know, eight, nine hours doing work stuff. And I'm now I'm like, I don't want to see a computer for a few hours. I'm going to go play a right. board game. So yeah. my, my hot wire is lacking, unfortunately. I, but. I didn't do, we don't use it at work. So that's like the main reason I haven't done anything with it. And I was one of the core contributors to Simus Preflex for a while. I, don't, I haven't really done anything with it recently for a few months since I've been working here, since I don't have time and I don't use it. So I don't know what it needs and I'm not using it anywhere really. So I can't, there's not much for me to contribute other than code review. So 
But in the moment when I was like, okay, right here, I could totally use stimulus reflux, right? But I was like, if I do that, then I got to set up action cable, which is fine. In a normal application, this would have been fine, right? But I was just trying to do something simple. And I was like, what's the right solution here? Because in my head, I was like, I think like I could totally do this right now in stimulus reflux. Is that the right choice? I think let's try turbo because it looks easy, right? But then I found the docs kind of hard to read. So maybe that's yeah. my actual blocker is that I didn't, the docs are not, I know Chris has some videos that I haven't watched and I need to watch, but the documentation is maybe, maybe it's, I just haven't wrapped my brain around it enough, but I, I found it very lacking. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the documentation is still kind of a work in progress and definitely is lacking. I think Chris even mentioned in one of the videos as he was going on like the basics of Hotwire, where he said the docs are kind of lacking. So I'm jumping right into the source code, which is a little bit better somehow documented than the actual documentation. But yeah, if you're trying to get your head wrapped around Hotwire, I feel like my head is wrapped around it. I just haven't done it to the point where I can be like, yeah, I'm comfortable with it. Like my head's wrapped around the ideas from watching Chris's videos and coding along. And I've gotten the things to switch. You hit the edit button and just that, that thing revolves around and renders the form for you, but I haven't built anything with it yet. So soon, I hope. maybe I'll, I'll ask Chris this if you don't know, but does Hotwire use WebSockets? Yes and no. So there's okay. the Turbo Stream, which does right. use the WebSockets. That's so that when you make a change, everyone on that page sees the change at the same time. Right. But the Turbo Frames, I believe, do not. That is a request. Okay. That and would the make response sense. is a Turbo response. The library picks up that Turbo response and then paints right. the page with the response as configured. Right. So okay. that's that so yes no. what I remember. But right. so, but it does it use action cable? That's my real question. Is like, does action cable have to be set up, or does it does it create its own connection internally? That is a good question. Uh, if I remember correctly, it does need action cable set up, but I don't think it needs any additional configuration outside of right. What... That, yeah, I wouldn't expect that. Okay, okay. So that was my problem. So really, at the end of the day, I was waffling between I can do it in Simulus Reflex, but it feels like overkill for this easy thing. I could do it in Turbo. I feel like I should be able to do that with like a simple amount of code. The answer is actually I needed the ultimate thing was like I don't want to have to use Redis, and I was like mm. for action cable have to use it, right? Yeah. And so that's so at the end of the day, like neither of them, either way, I was going to have to do. Okay, so I ended up solving it differently, but. So either way, I was going to have to set up Redis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch some videos on it. Like again, yeah, you know, documentation is hard and the community yeah. is like where we can step up and help people with that. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of people asking on Twitter or wherever, like, how can I contribute more? How can I start contributing? And I think that's, that's, if, if, if you're decent enough at writing anything, like you can contribute to the docs. It, you don't, you don't have to contribute features or bug fixes or be glued to the issue board on something you can contribute documentation and every developer out there will love you for it. So right. But here's take. where do you start? Right. That's well, it sounds like turbo. Right. But rails isn't the greatest example. I feel like because there's more process, I guess, around right. getting things in the rails docs. Obviously anyone can do it. Right. It's like anyone can do it. And there are people out there that are willing to help you do it. But when I think about it, I'm like, well, how do I need to structure them? And where do I start? And, you know, this and that. And how does it need to be formatted? And where's the repo? <laughs> you know, all these other things. So I, I, I wouldn't, maybe there's some, someone must have written something. I'm sure I've seen something out there about that. I'm sure someone's written a little introduction to how to kind of, I know Chris has too. Well, he's, Chris has a video on how to get started doing your rails, which is really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good um, episode. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to get a doc PR in and then detail how I did it. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like an awesome blog post. I would read that more than once just because I don't remember anything. There's entirely <laughs> too much stuff going into my brain at any given time. I love blog posts because I can just bookmark it, which thanks to you, I'm using Raindrop, which is awesome. But yeah, Convert. it's like, yeah, it, it really did change my whole workflow as far as like, 
I had just the dev folder of just, and it's probably not even, I'm not a power user of Raindrop. And I'm sure just knowing you, not even close to the way you're using Raindrop, but just a little bit more structure to how I bookmark things. Bookmarks became so much more powerful and are actually useful now to where I feel like I need to remember less. I just need to remember, oh, it's tagged with this. Click on that. Ah, There it is. All right, cool. I'm at the blog post or the demo or the API guides or whatever. And cool. I don't need to remember this anymore. Yeah, um, I, I love Raindrop. I don't think they have referral links. I, I want one, but I, I yeah. recommend it to everyone because I don't know if this is a paid user feature or not. I pay for it because it's so cheap and because I want to support the development of it. But I can have public pages of my bookmarks, right? So you could go right now to my public Raindrop profile and see bookmarks that I have public. And right. like in, a, in like in a way that I can organize it and you can create RSS feeds from that, which is what I was talking about earlier, where like, um, and that the nice part about that too is some people have been like, oh, I'm looking for resources on blah, blah, blah. I'll just create a quick folder in Raindrop, put a bunch of links in there and give them the public URL and be like, here you go. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the public pages might be free. I think it might be paid. Or it might be, I don't know what it is. I thought, because I thought I saw a link specific, on mine. There's a few specific features that are paid. I know one of them is like nested collections. I can't remember what the other yeah. ones are though. That's what I was just going to say. I'm like, I am, I'm I probably going to become a paid, a paid user because I want nested collections. I'm like, that's yeah. going to be, that'll be the next level game changer for me is ha- being able to nest those collections will be so nice. It'll feel yeah. so, it'll feel like a flat file structure. It'll be great. So yeah, raindrop for anyone who wants to tame their unwieldy bookmarks. It's really easy to import all of your bookmarks and get started with it. I spent like an hour tagging my existing stuff and deleting a couple of things and it feels nice. so smooth now. So yeah. And you can hook it up to tools like IFTTT, which is like mm-hmm. Zapier. So like I have automated things that happen too, which is fun. Nice. Like what? So I have I have limited my intake. And I don't want to get into this massive discussion about note theory because that's where this is quickly leading. And I'm going to quickly, I'm going to stop myself from entering that void of of conversation. But so there are a few different websites that I care about the, like when I basically save something, I want to export that like, or that save or that bookmark or whatever it is. Right. Because I don't want it to be in the app. It is, I want it to all go into raindrop. Right. So I have a few funnels. There are a few apps that I funnel things into. Raindrop mm-hmm. is one. That's where all links go. I have started using, I have start, I've stopped using it for GitHub repos because now on GitHub, you can categorize your stars. Yeah. And I have like four or 5,000 stars. So now that I can categorize them, I've stopped exporting things into Raindrop. So I used to have something wherever I start a repo, I would save it in Raindrop in a specific folder. And then for product hunt, whenever I upvote a certain product on product hunt, it will save the link in Raindrop. Whenever I favorite an article in Ina Reader, it'll save it in Raindrop. When which I'm going to change a little bit to export favorite articles a little bit better. But then I had I used to have it where my liked tweets would go in there and liked YouTube videos and things like that. But I've gotten a little more. I've closed off some of those funnels, but I use it for things like that basically. So it's a collection place for any links, yeah. and then also have automations for if I put an, a link in a specific folder, it was send it to my Ino reader to read list, you know, as like when that in Ino reader is where I highlight things and read articles and highlight things. And then the highlights and comments I make from the highlights get exported to Readwise, which is a collection place for all highlighting I do on the web, like on uh, Medium and my iPad book app and Kindle and whatever, anything I highlight goes in Readwise. And then that all the way funnels into my Obsidian vault which is a, a note-taking app that is for is markdown based and it is fun and I love it. And I am willing to talk to anyone about it, but not right now because we won't ever get off this podcast. I was, I was just going to say this whole like note-taking mind mapping workflows is so interesting. And I do want you to talk more about it, but I, I have so many plans to talk about it. And as soon as freaking launch my website, all of this stuff is going to be funneling out of there because I've got a whole new workflow where I'm creating a lot of content that I haven't released yet. And, okay. but it's ready to go. Right. I just need to hit publish. I'm yeah. so excited. 
Will you hurry now, up already? Yeah, my workflow now Please. is much simpler for publishing. So as soon as I launch my damn website, I'm hoping that my publishing rate is going to increase a lot higher. Oh, so that that's awesome. And I'm like I said, I'm super excited to hear. I know we talked a little bit about this at RubyConf, but like it's awesome how vocal you and Jason Charns really are about ADD in our in our careers and and how it affects us and how we need to find almost like these brain hacks to get around the things that other people who don't deal with ADHD that might not get. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people without ADHD that can benefit from some of these workflows, but man, whenever I find a workflow that works for me and defeats my ADD in a way that I didn't have before, I feel so like, oh, yes, this is great. Like I just conquered right. myself a little bit. So I'm, I'm pumped to hear about how you're like the adventures in a brain hacking, I guess is what we're, process hacking or whatever you would want to call it just yeah i will say the one thing that has changed about my personality is and i i call it radical self-acceptance because i don't have another word for it i just made it up because you have adhd so you know this adhd people think about having adhd for whatever reason it's the weirdest my buddy the other day was like Dude, I was in the shower and I was thinking about ADHD, right? And I realized afterwards I was standing in the shower, dribbling water in my mouth for like 30 minutes, just thinking about ADHD. And I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? And he's like, do you do the same thing? And I do, right? I just yep. sit there and I think about ADHD. But the one thing I've thought a lot about is I am the way I am. And there are certain things that I do and they're never going to change unless I really want them to change. And for whatever reason, I don't, and I just need to accept them, right? Or yeah. plan around them. And the other thing is like, I've it's, there's certain things, like when people listen to what I just said, they're like, this dude is insane. What is he doing? He's got folders and bookmarks and you know all these different services and background jobs. And he's got a CMS that he built in Heroku and a, you know all this, and he's rebuilt his website eight times and never released it, you know, all this crap. At the end of the day, it provides me some level of comfort. And I don't know what that comfort is, and I don't understand it, but I know that I can't just publish on dev.2 and be happy with that, right? There's some level of comfort in all this craziness that is my chaos-ridden world that like I just accept, and I understand it, and I just go with it. And No, it doesn't make any sense what I do, but it brings me comfort, whatever that is, however it is. And I just do it. It's fine. And I just accept that I do it, right? I accept that I always will be tweaking my setup and that I'll, you know, <laughs> never be able to sit down and, you know, all these weird things. Just I just accept them. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good, though. I think it's good to accept that that's you and realize and accept that's you and be able to work around it. And I think for your friend who's like, I can't believe I was just standing in the shower. I don't know. I feel like we just need to talk about doing weird shit like that more often to make yeah. it feel less weird. Cause man, I used to not talk about my ADD at all. And then I heard the episode with you and Jason and I was like, all right, cool. It's fine now. Like if they're dealing mm -hmm. with it and they're who they are. I can absolutely go. Yep. I have ADHD. Hi, what's up? Like I deal with it. It's a thing. So it's, it's, I think uh, not to use a buzzword, but normalizing it is super helpful to those of us who are not fully accepting of the fact that it's this is who we are. And w the faster we can realize it and accept it and work with it instead of always against it, the better off we're going to be. So, yeah, I appreciate you saying that people have said that to me before and I don't know how to take it because I'm weird and I'm awkward. And in my mind, doing that stuff is like very important to me. Like it makes up what I feel is quote unquote, not my purpose in life, but it gives my life meaning to do that. So I really appreciate you saying that. And I'm glad I don't scream into the void, but it also kind of goes back to this self-acceptance of, I feel like you have to know that I have ADHD to work with me. Right. And to hide that would be, I have hit it before. Right. But then I realized I'm never going to work somewhere where I have to hide it again. 
because I can't hide it, right? It's ridiculous. It's out of control. You met me. It's, it's out of control. <laughs> I need to be locked up. I can't sit down. I'm all over the place. I have 8 million side projects. None of them are done. I am textbook ADHD. I tested in the 99th percentile. So yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. So, so like to me, it is normal to me. And I, I'm glad that by me talking about it, people have been like, oh, I feel like you're making it more normal because to me, I didn't know that it wasn't normal. And looking back on it, I don't care because mm -hmm. I feel like I, I try to be a genuine person and like try to, you know, that's, that's what I'm going through. And I feel like, like it, it goes back to like, I feel like if you're communicating with me and you know me, you have to know I have ADHD or you're going to hate me because <laughs> right. I'm really annoying. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I think Brittany Martin being the president of the Andrew Mason fan club, I might be the vice president Dude. just because I think it's made such an impact being able to be like, nope, I have ADHD. Let's let's go. You have like you said, you have to know that because it makes it it explains so much about yours, mine, anybody with a personality, why things work the way they do in our workflows. So yeah. Um, and I just want to say that I'm the president of the Brittany Martin fan club. So, well, yeah, that's <laughs> another need to have on club. here next. I love I, Brittany. That would Brittany be awesome. is tier, tier A. It'll be, it would be interesting to have her on the show and hear her not be the one asking all the questions. I think, dude, honestly, like, all right, you've been doing great. Let me tell you, dude, I've done a lot of pot. I've done over a hundred podcasts. You're doing great. Brittany Martin. Thanks will outhost you on your own podcast all day, sure. every day. She comes on ours and I'm like, I'm just going to shut up and like, let her take this over. Like she's, she's yeah. got the, she's got the radio voice. She's so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. She, she really is. She's, and you can tell she puts a lot of time and effort and planning into the podcast and which is so different than remote Ruby. Remote Ruby is yes. my go-to podcast. Like that is 100%. It got me through the pandemic in the best way. It is just, I love being the fourth person at that table or fifth, if you have guests on or whatever, like I love the way that it is, but I also love the way that she does the podcast. It's so awesome. Like I know that there's this good structure. It's really well done. It's not something I could ever do because I'm just not that organized of a person. Right. It's winging it. So yeah. I've learned to like plan just enough that the winging it tends to work out but it's all winging it yeah i'm i'm a winger as well all wing all day but like i always feel bad when i have to podcast with Brittany because she's so organized and like number one i don't email back i'm awful about that i don't you email don't even back check your email no i don't check the email so like she'll she like they messaged me the other day and they're like hey are you showing up today and i was like oh <laughs> you know so like i'm like that okay and then she sends, like, when I was a guest on her show, she sent me all these notes and, like, here's what we're going to talk about. Here's all the questions ahead of time. Like, she is perfect. She's so good because, and that's also, like, what would make a newer guest feel really comfortable in the pocket, right? Yeah. So whenever we have a newer, whenever we have a first-time speaker, I try to go out of a way to be more like her, but I'm generally not. And so whenever we podcast together, I feel bad because I'm so, I don't send any notes. I don't send anything. I'm like, here's the time and date and maybe i send the zoom link you know right like, so but she's awesome yeah take yeah, yeah if you're gonna replicate a podcast replicate hers not ours because she's got it down pat i'm shooting for something in the middle yeah i can't, I can't do what she does she's too good she's yeah. too organized she's a I, superstar I, I would love to be more like her but i don't i, I don't think i could i just none don't of us see can it. No, so, she's got whatever um, it is. I don't, I don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, well, I wasn't gifted it on the, on the, I think it's the most recent podcast, her podcast. I don't think you guys did release the remote Ruby, but the one where you guys interviewed your editor, yet. He, but he even says like, he thinks of like the top three, like voices and she's one of them. And I'm like, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Like yeah. I could listen to her talk all day. Well, yeah. And he, he even said you could have a career in radio and he is a radio producer, right? He he's worked in the industry forever. He's, he's the top. So to say that, and he, he didn't say that to Jason or I, right? <laughs> After the show, 
I don't think we talked about it on the show. After the show, I was like, what's my thing, right? Because I'm very self-aware. So I'm like, I know that I say like, and I say, and it used to be yeah. a lot more likes, but I've been really trying to like, as I speak more, I've been able to take these things that I say and kind of weed them out a little bit because I listen to everything I make. Every podcast I've ever yeah. been on, I've listened to. So there's certain things that I do. But the other thing that he mentioned, he's like, you're a classic ADHD speaker. You have these run-on sentences. And he's like, and when you fumble, normally when you guys fumble, I edit the word so you guys can't tell. But with you, it's like you're falling, but you catch yourself and manage to stand back up like midway through the sentence, right? So I'm like stumbling over the sentence and I don't stop and correct myself. I just like finally make it to the end. And I'm like, that made sense, right? And smile at the camera like, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, There are no straight lines in ADHD it, thought. No, it's, it's just a not. scenic root. It's a scenic root disorder. I like that scenic root disorder. That's what yeah. I'm calling it from now on. So I guess the last question would be, what is there anything cool, interesting, exciting that you have discovered recently that you want to talk about? So we already kind of touched on some of it. So I won't reiterate the Bridgetown stuff. I... I've been toying with RBS a little bit. Okay. I'm, I'm very interested in it. Not necessarily, I'm not interested in writing my Rails app with it. Let's be very clear. I'm not interested in using Sorbet for that either. But I am interested in it because type systems, and this was like kind of the consensus that came out of TypeScript, I feel like for a lot of people, maybe it might be shifting a little bit now. But in the beginning, it was like, I'm not going to rewrite my app in TypeScript, but my libraries, yeah. I'll rewrite the libraries with TypeScript because that way the applications that ingest them can take, can use that, that ability if they want to, if they need to. Okay. So I'm very interested in the idea of converting gems over to be using RBS. And then what tooling is out there for this thing? So there are now, there's more, the Ruby core team has created some extensions of VS Code. Very big shout out to them. The first thing is that they've created a new debug extension for the new debug gem. And I was able to use it yesterday on my Bridgetown site where like I put a breakpoint in VS Code and I use this extension with the new debug gem in Ruby 3.1 and it breaks exactly the way I want it to. I haven't tried it in Rails yet, but the other thing is like steep. Steep is like a checker for types in Ruby. It's And there's an extension in VS Code for it. So... It's the way you like with the way that like VS code, like as you change your code, you can see, oh, this type doesn't match the RBS syntax file or whatever. So that makes using now that makes it kind of that makes it usable in VS code, which is one thing I care about a lot because I don't think Stripe always talked about they had this crazy RB, RBI extension for VS code. And it's even built into the website like demo, but I don't think it's ever come out yet. I think okay. someone may have released a third party one. That may not be true. That might need to be checked. But regardless, I'm going with that assumption. So that makes it hard to use because I don't want to use a runner. Like, come on. Like, I don't yeah. want to run a process. Like, just come on. Don't don't make me do that. So that has been nice. And so I'm just kind of interested in it and exploring it a little bit more. The other thing is I like it, the syntax a lot better than RBS signature. What I don't like is that it's in another file, which everyone has said. But like, I really, and I don't like RBS signature either though, or RBI, Sorbet. I don't like Sorbet either. I like the, the way TypeScript does it so much. And I hate JavaScript as a language and TypeScript. Just let me be very clear. But I yeah. really <laughs> like, I really like the way TypeScript does it where it's inline, it, it doesn't take up space. And then you can define your interfaces somewhere else. They don't need to be there, but you can they get included so on that front, I can under, I could, I want the reality, which it's not going to be, I don't think, but I want the reality where the RBS files can still be a thing where you can make your, your interfaces and your, your special, your helpers and your, you know, your whatever, whatever's right. But, and they get included versus being the whole thing. And then you have inline types where when you're passing a parameter, it's like parameter and then the type of it, right. Or, you know, mm -hmm. however the syntax would look. And then, right. you know, you have your void outside of the, the method call. And I understand that Ruby syntax is a certain way. And like, it's probably, I mean, it's doable, but probably they're not, not, they're not going to, but like, that's what I want. 
I want like this right. weird breed of both. And I don't like either by themselves, but I'm going to use RBS over Sorbet. Because it's built, because it comes because it, with Ruby, yes. it's Ruby's standard solution. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's gonna, why, that's why I reached for Turbo instead of Simulus Reflex. When my, right. my gut and me, I was like, this is Simulus Reflex. It'd be easy. Right. It would have been, it would take me way less time. But I was like, I'll use the Rails way, right? And Nate Hopkins, who was a mentor of mine, worked with me at Code Fun, worked with me at Simmons Reflex. He always was like, he's very much a Rails way person, right? And he explained why his understanding, or I don't remember his exact explanation, but like I've created my own like understanding of it over the years of if it's in the core library, just use it, right? If you can, if it, if it makes sense, right? So if it's RBS versus Sorbet, RBS is in Ruby, right? And Sorbet is not. So in my mind, there should be a Sorbet to RBS like bridge. And there are, they are creating them and I have seen them. So that, and that's great, but in, I'm not going to like, then, then for me, if I'm not using it in Rails, cause I think, I think right now it might be nicer to use Sorbet in Rails, but since I'm not going to do that, I'm like, I'm just going to, if I'm writing a Ruby gem and I want it typed, I'm going to use the built-in typed library. Makes sense. Just yeah. because it's there, right? <laughs> you know, just like, I'm probably now going to start using the debug gem because it's there. And right. if it works for me and I don't need anything else, then why pull in an, I don't want a new library. Basically, that's what it all boils down to. Sure. Why bring the overhead of a new library versus something that is in Ruby and will change as Ruby changes. So the like overhead cost of maintaining it is a lot lower. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think even with Rails, if it comes with something, unless there's a really compelling reason to use a different library or do it myself or what, whatever personality you are, like it better be a really good reason to not do it. Like there's a reason why it's done this way and might be because DHH is DHH, but right everyone does it that way or a vast majority of people are doing it that way it makes it that much easier to figure out your problems to find a tutorial and like hey how the hell do i do x y or z when you have something that's another library you're banking on a completely different or a completely separate community if it's god forbid you build something internally like maybe there's documentation but you're right. not stack overflowing it so yeah if it's a especially standard if it's in the standard library, that's what I'm reaching for first and foremost. Yeah, so, like if you can. I mean, that's why I was so excited that right. view component was going to be in Rails, right? Because with when I was at CodeFun, I was like, I want to bring in view component. And Nate was like, eh. And I'm like, but it's going to be in Rails. And like, he was like, okay, well, since it's going to be in Rails, like we can like, okay. And But we waited, right? We waited until we were like, this is the PR was open in Rails or whatever. And that's right. when I started building view components, even though it didn't get in Rails. But like, there's like, it, it lends some legitimacy to it. It lends a, it renders like, you know, there's certain assumptions that are probably not safe to make, but can, most people will make them anyway of like, this is supported. If it breaks, someone will fix it. It's going to be well code reviewed. There's going to be a standard of code. There's going to be any Bitcoin miners in it. You know, there's like certain things like that. Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. But here's the thing, sidekick every day. So oh, yeah. like, you know, there's oh, a line. Yeah, yeah. Always sidekick. Yes, I, I agree. We are unfortunately not knocking it, but we are on rescue at work. Okay. And I miss sidekick so much. Never used rescue, so. but I've heard not I've never actually I don't know anyone using rescue other than now you and Basecamp, I think, uses it. Yeah, what I, is rescue? I, is it just like sidekick? It, it's sidekick, but it's not sidekick. Like I, okay. I long for sidekick, and it's not. It's and it might not. It's probably a problem with me. It's my fault because I, I, just used sidekick for so long, and now we're using rescue, and they've been using rescue for so long that there's some really dark cobwebby corners Always that are, are probably like someone at rescue would look at it and go, "What are you doing? Don't do that." So, and, and that puts a bad taste in my mouth. So it's probably me. I'm if you're on rescue and you love it, like don't hate me because it's, it's my fault. I, and I recognize that, but I forget who I talked to. I talked to someone at the Shopify booth at RubyConf and I told him we were using liquid 
like as our 100% templating language for our app, like all the way. And we had full, and he's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, that's a great question. I don't know. I felt very validated by that. Yeah. Someone, so, but I made feel like the same conversation. Yeah. Right. Someone made that decision. Other people decided to take that decision and run with it. And now here we are. So. Yep. Well, I will say, and this has helped me think about it from the other end too. So, but I, my mentor, longtime mentor, who was my first mentor at my first job ever, I still meet with him weekly. He was like, and he said it differently, but I've now formed my own understanding of it. He's basically, don't get married to your code. It's just code. Throughout your career as a developer, you're going to write a ton of code and you're going to delete a ton of code. So just because you wrote some cool code, don't get your pride wrapped up in it. People will write over it. People will delete it. People will critique it. Don't let that bother you as a person because you'll write more. So, but on the other end, it's just being okay with this idea is like code, like deleting code, overwriting code, you know, rethinking about code, but then understanding that those people made the best decision that they made in the time and don't blame them for it. Just, just understand that it's just code. You're just going to delete some of it and make some more. Right. It needs yeah. to be, it's like a garden code is like a garden. It needs to be curated, cultivated, tended to. And, you know, just because the bad guy was a bad gardener doesn't say anything about the plants necessarily. It's just your opportunity yeah. to come in and make it, make it green again. Absolutely. And, and especially the app that we have at work is 13 years old. There were decisions made at some points that were like, well, cause there was no other way to do it. We had to do it. And then it's been such a small team for such a long time. No one had the time to go back and pay that technical debt. And yeah, decisions were made and they were, I, I like to think that they were the best decisions at the time, but now here we are, we need to, we need to move forward and not just say, well, that's how we used to do it. So we need to keep doing it. It's like, no, it's how we used to do it. And it was fine, but it's not anymore. So we need to move on. Right. Well, the summary to your question is. I am learning more about RBS. I'm very interested in it. I want to go back because I need to go. I want to do some maintenance on some of my gems. So I think I kind of want to implement RBS in some of them and implement my, I have like a workflow for automatically releasing gems that I published on my blog about and kind of like doing some of that cleanup. So I want to do some of that cleanup. I want to release my website. I want to publish more 2021 work on Ruby, Ruby Radar, and just do more cool stuff. Have fun, do cool yeah. stuff and share it with others. Awesome. Well, I, for one, am very much looking forward to seeing what you produce. It's always good stuff in my opinion, but like I said, vice president of the Andrew Mason <laughs> fan club. So thank you very much for coming on the show and telling us what you're up to and what you got going on. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, man. You can find me around the internet at Andrew M. Codes. And I really appreciate you, appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast. You've been a great host. Yeah. So come on Remote Ruby sometime. Yeah, I, I, it's on my 2022 bucket list. Oh, God. It is 2022. I said 2021 earlier. Oh, no. Oh, you're, just, you're just talking about the things that you have oh. to do that are hanging over, right? Yeah, yeah. That Those were last year's plans still, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well... Yeah, it is 2022. That is my goal is to get onto uh, Remote Ruby and have something interesting to talk about. So Andrew Mason, like you said, Andrew M. Codes on Twitter. Your website will be updated by the time this comes out. Yep, andrewm.codes. There you go. All right, awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah.